0: Hey everybody, Matt Halloran for the Top Advisor Marketing Podcast. In episode number 275, Lauren Buss, one of our account managers, and I went through what it's like to be onboarded and kind of brought into the Proudmouth family. But we also thought it'd be really interesting to take a client's perspective. Now you might be saying, oh my gosh, Matt, why are you doing this? What does onboarding have to do with me? Well, according to our guest today, Malcolm Etheridge, The onboarding process was a huge component into how he views not only our company, but podcasting in general. So we're going to talk today to Malcolm Etheridge, a great financial advisor who will walk you through his perspective on what it's like to be onboarded into our family and what you should expect as a new client. Let's go. So Malcolm, welcome to the show, man.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. This was uh, an interesting ask.
0: Yes. Well, let's rewind though. I want everybody to maybe just get to know a little bit more about you and and how long you've been podcasting, the name of your podcast. Why don't you just give that to us a little bit and then we'll dive into your your feedback.
1: I actually started podcasting, I think in 2017. It's tough for me to say at this point, because I'm getting a little older and my memory is going. As best I can recall, that's when we started. So a buddy of mine, his name is Ben Carter. We started a podcast called Manager Damn Money which was an iteration even then from a YouTube series he had been doing before he and I met. So we did that for, I mean, we've basically been doing it up through the pandemic, made it tough to get in the studio and do this. But then I also, as you know, pivoted from MYDM to my new podcast that's a little bit more financial, financial advisory specific, which is called the Tech Money Podcast. But all the way through, you know, I've been an advisor since 2011. And so that's just been like kind of the, the passion for me. And as you mentioned, since I gave you super unsolicited feedback the other day that you weren't expecting, I'm also just a podcast junkie. Yeah, One of my main sources of entertainment is consuming other people's podcasts and then making iterations on my own based on what other people are doing.
0: And that's what we're going to dive into. So we're big fans of OPP too. Not only for you to be on other people's podcasts, but also to consume other people's podcasts. You're just going to have a much better understanding of, of the world in the environment that you live in. Now, your podcast is Wicked Focus too. So I want to mm-hmm. make sure that I'm setting the stage here a little bit clearly for our listeners because the reason why when when somebody like Malcolm calls and says says I want to give you unsolicited feedback and then I immediately want to get him on a podcast to talk about this is very very simple is because he consults businesses, number one, that's part of his whole financial game here, and two, he is a student of the game, I want to be able to dive in a little bit more deeply, and as an ideal client, finally, Malcolm is exactly who we're looking for, and I'm going to break down who you are in my mind, right, to make sure that, well, if I'm wrong, you can just, dude, you're wrong, but one, right, he is, in, he's an RIA, Mm-hmm that's perfect for us. Number two, he has lots of experience, not only as a financial advisor, but also behind the microphone, which is not necessary, but damn, it makes it a lot easier. Number three, he has a niche, a niche, like a niche beyond niches, right? His focus is so clearly defined that when he does SEO, SEO knows, hey, that's Malcolm, because Mm -hmm. of how consistent he is with his message. Let's dive right into the onboarding process. When you said yes to podcasting with us here at Proudmouth, what happens next? What was the onboarding like when you just first started working with us?
1: For me, the onboarding process was great in the sense that I am a, when it comes to things like this, I am a delegator and a do-it-yourselfer if that makes sense. So if we think about as financial advisors, our ideal clients are the delegators that say, Matt, from this point forward, you have all the information you need to have. It's your job to look out for my blind spots and you tell me what I need to be doing. If I need to contribute $6,000 to my IRA this year, it's your job to tell me when and where and how. That's basically how I am as a customer client when I decide I'm going to buy something. But with that said, I want it designed a certain way that I know what the outcome is going to look like, because I also failed to mention at the very beginning of this. I didn't study. I didn't major in finance or accounting or econ like a traditional financial advisor who knew they were going into this field would have. I actually was a marketing major. I look at things a little bit differently, like sitting in the seat of the person consuming the content not necessarily the person who wants to get their message out there and show everybody how much of a genius they are, if that makes sense. And so for you guys onboarding me, being willing to listen to my ideas of here's what so-and-so giant brand is doing out there in the world. I'd like to replicate that on a tiny scale. Cause as you mentioned, I have a super specific niche and I only need 50 people to listen to this and say, I want to work with that guy. Right. So that's essentially what I was focused on. And your crew definitely was like, no, 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 please tell us like, we want the direction. We don't want the person who comes in and says, I don't know, you tell me, I mean, like, uh, what do I
0: need? We love it when we can kind of come upside of you, like almost like a boat, Mm -hmm. right. And so that we're all traveling the same speed in the same direction. And if a course correction needs to happen, then we can kind of wiggle back and forth together. I don't know if I actually ever asked you this, but You guys had had a very successful podcast for a long time Mm -hmm. with with a manager own damn money or a manager damn money. Why did you decide to offload
1: this now? It's not like you can't do it. In doing manager damn money, we were actually a TV show masquerading as a podcast, if that makes sense. So if you think about Uh, Mike and Mike in the good old days uh, where they've two guys sitting with microphones at a desk having a conversation and it happens to be on ESPN at the same time. But the reality is it was a TV show that got duplicated as a podcast. That basically was us. However, COVID happened. TV studio shuts down. We then have to become our own studio and do it from home. And that just became extremely challenging when my co-host Ben is here with me in the DC area, but our producer is out on the West coast in LA. So now we're dealing with the time difference My co-host has kids. I've got a new little teeny kid, you know, not running around, but like trying to run around. And scheduling wise, it just became extremely tough. So I really like the fact that like we're seeing most things happen. You guys basically create a virtual studio. I get to plug into that virtual studio as if I and my producer are sitting right next to each other. And my guest that comes on can be in California. They can be in Texas. They can be in D.C. right down the street. And either way, it sounds like all of us are in the room having this direct conversation, the way you and I basically are right now.
0: When you decided to 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 flip that switch, and now that you've been doing it for three months, go back to the Malcolm before you signed our agreement. Mm-hmm. Right, what 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 should I have been better at telling you about what our experience is, what we do for you, and how it benefits you?
1: Well, so frankly, I don't know that it was so much of a you thing as it was a me thing and and not to sound, you know, super self-centered in that. But I, as a person, when someone wants to sell me something am probably the most difficult person to ever try and sell something to. Unless I really want the thing you're selling, then you don't have to sell anything. I'm just gonna pick up the phone and call you and say, "Sign me up," right? Which is essentially what I did, right? Like out of the blue, I called you and said, "You got me, you got me, Matt, you got me." And I'm like, "What's
0: going right? on? I didn't know I had you." But yeah.
1: right, so that's the beauty though of podcasting is people are out there selling themselves, listening to you on a daily, weekly, monthly, whatever basis, and. All of a sudden, like that snowball gets big enough that it's rolling on its own and the phone calls start to come in because people are like, I've been listening for years and you had no idea. I am a fan. So sign me up, which I know is the thing you want to get to eventually in this conversation, that one meeting close that we talked about. But I'll back off a little bit and answer more of the question you initially asked. As if you recall, I know you have a ton of these conversations with a ton of people, but I actually called you and said, I was thinking I would want to start this thing at some point in 2021. Yeah. Here we are in like October, November 2020. And I think I'm going to get started a little sooner than that because I can kind of see something that's coming. And I want to jump on that sooner than I was mentally ready to spin the coin to get the ball rolling, if that makes sense. Part of the reason for that, I won't give too much away, but part of the reason for that is because I could see that we were going to be trapped in this COVID world through 2021, even though we weren't really willing to admit to ourselves that 2020 was going to stretch beyond December 31st. So we're basically in like the 15th month of (laughs) 2020 at this point. Right. But I could tell back in September of last year that we were going to run this thing, this stay from home. I mean, work from home thing through 2021 at least. And so I wanted to spend a year being in people's ears talking to them before I started getting out there and having a conversation with them in the real world in 2022 so that they would already know who I was and have already made a buying or a not buying decision before I ever shook their hand. And so I think accelerating the timeline of when I wanted to do that will help with that once we get back to the real world. Plus, I looked and saw a lot of places were still saying we're going to have our conferences virtual in 2021, which meant that, again, the traditional ways of shaking hands and kissing babies just wasn't going to happen the way it had in the past.
0: Our ideal situation, because our tagline is to free the world's experts from sales, Mm -hmm. right, is that. People will have consumed our content, much like you did, right? People will follow us on social media and and understand who we are and what we do, so that that is just a quick phone call, which it's funny when you say, unless I really want to buy that, you know, I'm usually a very, very difficult person. I didn't even sell you. Like, you're like, okay because you had told me previously that you were going to wait. And so you were kind of mm-hmm. on my list, right? But I'm not wildly aggressive. I ping you every once in a while. Hey man, how's it going? You know, just making sure you're still alive more than anything. Yeah. But then when you picked up the phone, you were ready to go, which is exactly how that is how you free the world's experts from sales. And you're actually experiencing this. So I'm going to refocus that back on that one meeting close thing, because anybody listening to this is going to say, that sounds too good to be true.
1: Well, if I can go back before we get there and and talk about something that I think is really important. So the process, like where you were asking, what's it been like when you sign up, the team contacts you, blah, blah, blah. Like people were emailing me and saying, hey, we need to get a logo for your podcast created. Can we spend some time on pick a day on the calendar? Here's the calendly link we're going to create the the show art for you so that you don't have to worry about it. So we had like a 30 or so minute conversation about what I wanted it to look like. Again, to your point, I was a bit of a cheater in the sense that I already had like my brand book, if you will, that larger corporations have their brand book. AT&T has a very specific shade of blue that they use for everything. And you better not stray or getting fired. Yeah. On a much smaller scale, I have a brand book. Like literally I have color codes for what, color things need to be to coordinate with my website and every other piece of like marketing collateral that gets created. At least I was able to give them like, here's the blue, here's the green, here's the white, here's the whatever. But we went back and forth for like 30 minutes. They emailed me and said, here's three ideas. Which one do you like? It would have taken me a long time to create the show art because I love me so much. I want the picture to look perfect. I'm never going to be able to create it. An uninterested third party is like, we like you, but we don't really love you that much. So something is better than nothing. Let's get it done. Right. And you need that to move forward. Right. That was one thing that really set it apart. Another thing, people can't necessarily all see this, but when they listen, I probably sound extremely clear talking to you as if you and I are in the same room having a conversation. I didn't purchase this microphone directly. You guys shipped it to me. And it was at my house within less than a week. I don't remember how many days, but like long before I recorded my first podcast, it was here. You guys also contacted me and said, hey, let's schedule a time to test out the recording equipment just to make sure that you know what you're doing and you know how to plug in wires. And you say you're a millennial, but maybe you're a little technically challenged so we just want to make sure, right? Like those kind of things make the process so much easier for a person who is like, I can go on Amazon and they can recommend 40 different microphone types for podcasting and how the hell do I know which one I should actually buy? Those kind of things happening in succession make a huge difference. Also a thing that people, and you can stop me at any point if I'm like, right, I'm talking about how great you are. Why would you? But I just, you know, as I'm thinking about like hosting the podcast, right? That's a piece that a lot of people if you've never done a podcast before, you probably don't know that that's a thing you need. And what I mean is a place that the actual audio lives online so that it then gets pushed out to all the different platforms that people like to listen to. So you may assume that I record the podcast, I upload it to Spotify, and Spotify is the only place that I put my podcast episodes because I just chose Spotify because that's where I listen to them, right? Mm -hmm. Wrong, you actually want them to go to 50 million different places all at the same time because everybody has a different preference on how they consume podcasts. Some people actually go online every week and listen to their podcast that they like via their laptop or via their desk desktop computer. So you've got to be on Stitcher and SoundCloud and there's a Google Play podcast app for your computer. Yeah. There's also one for your cell phone. How do you choose? And so having a place that syndicates all of that content going out to all those different places, those different platforms on your behalf is huge that's part of what you guys do that I don't have to do that allows me to spend more time doing what I'm good at, which is finding guests to come on the show, scripting out the episodes, making sure I know what content is going to go in there and then focus on my focus, if you will. Those are some of the things that I can think of off the top of my head that were huge, like to not have to do myself that make it easier to move forward in the Will I or won't I have a podcast equation you're trying to solve? But I'm going to stop now because I know okay. you like to say if you feel like you've been talking too long, you probably
0: have. Which is part of our pregame, which I, I do. But how was the time frame, though, Malcolm? I mean, was it too long? Was it too short? Was it too intense? What What do you, what do you think? Because we're always looking at our onboarding process, which in our agreement, it does outline, you know, within the first month, this is what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But we just wrote that, right? I mean, it's not like we've taken, you know, the pulse of a whole bunch of our clients to see, was it quick enough? Was it a good pace for you? I mean, you're a busy professional who has kind of lots of irons going, like most of the people that we work with. What Mm -hmm. what was that like?
1: I... I think it's one of those things that you have to do it all while you're thinking about it, if that makes sense. I need to get it all done so I get the box checked and I don't have to think about it anymore and I can move on. If you think about it in terms of, I don't know if you ever were an advisor first before pivoting in this direction, but when we meet with a prospective client, we say, give me these 10 documents, these statements from all the things we just talked about, and I'm going to get moving on getting you a proposal or getting you a proposal meeting or something so that we can get the ball rolling as soon as possible so that you feel the relief of, these people have just solved the problem that I've been carrying on my shoulders for however many weeks, however many months, however many years. Now I can take a deep breath and move on to something else that's a better use of my time. And so I think doing it all in that 30 day window is probably a really good idea because it allows me then to say, okay, things are happening. I know Top Advisor Marketing, Proudmouth is doing their work in the background. They will let me know when I need to do the next thing on their checklist of items that have to get accomplished because this is what they do. So they know what the timetable is and I can focus on what I need to do in the meantime until I hear from them again. To me, that's the perfect mix and doing it all in a 30 day window, I think is, is smart because it allows me the ability to like, now it's done, right? It's not dragged out in some long drawn out way. It's, it's done and I, I can move on.
0: So now that you're up and running, we we followed your hex codes, your brand standards, the intro and the outro that we got. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, the intro
1: and outro of having somebody else introduce you on the show and doing the voiceover of, you know, hey, everybody, here's the Tech Money podcast created by Malcolm Etheridge to I don't even remember what it says. That's that's a shame. But like we had a whole meeting or two about what do you want the scripting to sound like when they introduce you and the outro i don't want to be the voiceover talent i don't Mm -hmm. want to be the one who has to introduce me and say hey world you should listen to this guy who happens to be me right (laughs) like having the professional look and feel of there's this other person who's introducing me on my show and then it's got background music i didn't choose the music you guys went out and found it based on I said, I want this type of yes. sound within a week. I had five, 10 different options to choose from. Of Is this what you mean? And I picked the one that was it and we kept moving. So like that too, I forgot all about that is a big deal. I think in creating the show and getting moving forward, right? If you're just thinking about putting one foot in front of the other and getting to done because done is better than perfect. Absolutely. Then those things happening for me in the background gets me to done a lot faster than if I had to do it myself
0: perfect is, is actually something that uh, slows progress. it will never be perfect. We're never going to be perfect. But the simple fact that we've tried to do what we can to structure everything so that it is as easy for you to make those decisions as possible, which again, all of this is as an owner, this makes me super happy. Right. But it was, it was funny when I was telling the team that I was interviewing you about this, a couple of them were like, Well, I work with Malcolm. And I was like, uh, so far, I think this is going to be pretty good. But I'm going to have obviously our entire team listening to this, including the executive team, because we don't hear this very much. So so first Mm -hmm. up, secondly, thirdly, whatever, thank you for blowing a bunch of sunshine in our direction. We love that. Keep doing it. That's great. And, and again, that's all good. And you pay. And for- in
1: all honesty, if I if I did not like any of it, I would gladly call you and tell you that too. Right? Like I, don't, <laughs> I don't, I, I don't nice mince words about liking or not liking. I all the way love it or I all the way hate it. And either yeah. way, I'll tell you the truth to your face. Like so, this is not me just saying it because I wanted to be on your podcast, right? Like I genuinely yeah. like the service that you guys have created.
0: So let's talk about the what we refer to as the intended consequence. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. A lot of people don't realize that this is the the consequence, which is the philosophical underpinning of everything you've been building up to is, okay, Matt, that's great. Malcolm paid your team an okay amount of money. Yes, they did their job, which is, which is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now it goes back in your court, man, right? It really is because you got to produce good content, but it's not just producing good content. It's also talking about the content. Talk to the listeners right now about After the podcast is done, what do you do? And Mm -hmm. then what's happened?
1: So I will preface this by saying I don't have a I guess we've been kind of talking around it, but I haven't specifically talked about the show itself and its design. So I don't have a traditional financial advisor podcast in the sense that it's not created for me to talk about how I'm such a great stock picker and the large cap strategy that my firm employs is better than anybody else's large cap strategy, or we're more diversified than anybody else's diversified a portfolio. Or we're more comprehensive and we're comprehensiver than any other comprehensive financial planning firm out there, right? Like that's garbage in my opinion, and not a differentiator. It's a, it's a feature, but it's not a selling point, if you will. My focus with my podcast is really to give it all away for free, quite frankly, the same way on your show, you're talking about podcasting and all the things you can do to podcast and all the different marketing ideas there are out there in the advisor community, one of which happens to be podcasting. But you guys have experts come on that talk about all kind of other stuff, right? The focus of my podcast is really giving away all of the stuff that I know as a financial advisor for free. So that it says to people, you can consume this and go go forth and conquer if you choose to. Or you can hire the guy that's been telling you what to do all this time for a nominal fee and be done with it. Right. You now are confident that he knows what he's talking about because you've Google searched a few of the things he told you you should go and do because that's the way tech people are. They don't take anything at face value. You better have your facts straight because they will Google the crap out of what you said and find 10 references for it yeah. before they'll take the recommendation. So I'm very good at speaking technically because the, the the group that I work with are senior managers, executives, small business owners in tech. Access to information is not a problem for them. One of my last episodes was on. My personal opinion, my strong opinion that once you get to a certain point as a professional, you make too much money to be filing your own taxes, right? Yeah. Blew up, like blew up. I've got a ton of internet traffic on Twitter, LinkedIn, Google search on my personal webpage. Like I can see who goes and reads blog posts or clicks onto the podcast and whatever. A ton of traffic listening to that particular episode. So I know that that was something that was important to people. However, you can listen to that and go make your own determination of how and when and why to file your own taxes or to hire somebody else or whatever. Or you can call the guy that you just listened to the show, love the guest that I had on contact her directly, whatever you want to do. But either way, I just helped make you smarter about what to do with your money, which was the goal. So the, the podcast itself. Never about me and how, how great I am or I, I try my best not to fall into that trap, I should say, because then it sounds like a hard sell somewhere. It's like you're trying to sell me something. I'm just giving away things I know to, to be different counter ways to view traditional financial planning advice and stopping right there. What's happening on the back of that, because that's what we ultimately wanted to build to, is I've had three now prospective client meetings with folks who have we got on the, the Zoom, had the conversation and I just said, you know, what made you reach out? There's obviously something that happens in the background that you decided to pick up the phone, quote unquote, and reach out to me and say, hey, Malcolm, we need to talk. What's happening? And they, oh, we intended to hire an advisor, you know, for the last two years or the last year. We've been thinking about this thing for a while. So I say naturally, well, what's changed? Why now? Oh, well, we listened to the podcast episodes that you had on online. And we read a blog post that you had on your website, or we saw some information you shared on LinkedIn that helped us make our decision because we felt like we knew you a little better. That phrase, um, that's a direct quote from at least two of the three that I'm talking about. We felt like we knew you a little better. Again, folks in the tech space, they don't interview one financial advisor based on a recommendation, right? They asked 20 people, Hey, Matt, who do you know? Hey, Kirk, who do you know? Hey, Eric, who do you know? Right. And then they create their list and they reach out to all of those people and interview all of those people and then make a determination based on some statistical model that they created that tells them (laughs) X, Y and Z. And I wish I was exaggerating, but I'm like so serious. Yeah. And then finally, there's probably one column somewhere in there that has like a head heart kind of equation that like, how do I feel? The how do I feel gets checked a lot faster when people can say, we felt like we already knew you. We felt like you knew what you were talking about.
0: Uh, it's good that they it comes across as you know what you're talking about because that's obviously very important. I personally think a lot of times it's implied. Mm-hmm. That's why talking about that all the time is not the most enjoyable podcast. But one of the things that you're great at is is this whole idea of SEO because the idea of omnipresent and ever presence, especially since you're working with these tech executives, professionals, and business owners, mm-hmm. you have to be very, very, very present. And that's one of our goals. Our goals is to have your marketing work for you in all of the media and mediums that your ideal clients are going to be when they're there so that you don't have to be. And you do that, you do that super well. When they did pick up the phone and they said, Hey Malcolm, you know, we feel like we know you. I mean, did you still go through your four meeting process? How hard was it to close these people? Were they the actual people that you're trying to attract with the podcast?
1: In the podcast, one of my actually my very first episode, it's my producer, Eric, interviewing me about my role as a a advisor and sort of who do I work with and the point of the podcast and all that kind of stuff in there. I make it very clear who's a good fit. And so I talk about like our target client being accredited investors, our target client being senior manager, executive in tech, our target client being people who have at least a half million dollars in assets or can afford our minimum $5,000 a year planning fee. On my personal website, all of that stuff Mm -hmm. is listed, products and services, you go FAQs, and in there somewhere is who's a good fit for working with you as an advisor. So they get to self-select a bunch of different ways and i guess i should have mentioned also the new version of picking up the phone and saying hey i need to get to that advisor is them going on the website clicking a a calendar link that says schedule a consultation and they can schedule themselves on my calendar before i ever even know anything about them so they've gone through the process of reading through oh i'm a great fit oh i'm not a good fit oh you know i'm not really sure let me read a little further right And they've self selected. So most of the time, I'd say nine out of 10 times that I actually talk to somebody, they are a good fit. And it's just a matter of do they have realistic expectations for what they want me to do? Do I do the thing that they're looking for that they want somebody to be an expert in? And then thirdly, are they willing to pay for my expertise? So my focus is on like folks who have concentrated stock positions because they work for publicly traded companies and a large part of their compensation is equity comp in the company they work for. I mean, those tax implications are huge. It takes a lot of time to read through somebody's plan description and know whether or not they're a good, uh, I mean, read through their plan description and get a good Feel for what the company is going to be giving them and then give them advice on it. So I charge accordingly. Mm-hmm. That doesn't work for everybody. However, the people who are coming in, listening to the podcast, reading the blog posts, looking at what I'm posting on LinkedIn, Twitter, everywhere else, they have already gotten a sense for is this the right place? Should I be somewhere else? The majority of people who are coming in, qualified is not an issue. Listening to the podcast helps sell them on. He knows what he's talking about. He's a decent person. I wouldn't mind having a conversation. You look at our elected officials. Would I like to have a beer with that guy, right? That's the way people, and that's probably the way people are consuming, listening to the way you explain things. Yeah. Hopefully somewhere in there, I answer the question that you're asking because you you let me get on my soapbox and I just took it and
0: ran with it. I you You really, really, really did. And the reason why I asked you that question, I knew because we talked about this before. So I wanted to pull that out of you. That was really important. But I think what's even more important is your philosophical foundation that you have built, your financial services practice on it. I'm gonna I'm gonna deconstruct that just very quickly. The level of transparency that most of you are terrified is actually Malcolm's strength. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. He is not afraid to put his structure, who he's working for, why he works for those people, why those people find it valuable that he works for those. There is no dancing around the edges, which is why when somebody comes in or sets an appointment on your calendar and you do a Zoom meeting with them, why you still have to do the sales dance. Screw the dance, man. Set them up so that when they hit the dance floor, they know what steps, they know the music, they know that they want to dance with you. And this has happened. So you've been with us for three months Mm -hmm. and you've had what, what sort of, what would you label success?
1: Uh, a signed client agreement. It's not a verbal, we will think about it or we like you and we'll come back to it. No, these are people who have already signed, sealed, delivered, paid the first invoice if they're a planning only client, just already transferring assets if they're an AUM client. Like these are people that are spoken for in the, the, the sense of like signed, sealed, delivered, right? Yeah. These are like, contracts done and if you remember when we talked about this before I told you that one of the issues that a lot of advisors have is they think about the cost of things instead of yeah and they think well where's my ROI from that if I spend $5000 on a thing where will I see $5000 back and I think it's a mistake because of the way that we get paid the work that we do with clients and the fact that clients stay for I don't know what the average number is but let's call it ten years right yeah. so you're 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 paying today five thousand dollars for the opportunity to acquire multiple clients who will be with you for a decade or more who will pay you more than that five thousand dollars in one year of working with you so right. if we think about like if you spend twenty thousand dollars a year on marketing right and that marketing helps to bring you One client, just one, and we know how unlikely that is, but let's just say one. I just told you our minimum planning fee is $5,000. Four years, it'll take me to recoup what I just spent on bringing that client on board. That means that every other client who I bring on through that same source of marketing over that four year period is icing on the cake. That's my alpha. Every single person above and beyond that one client I had to keep happy for four years, who I'm probably going to keep for 10 or more, just based on the statistics of how we work. Everything else is icing on the cake. Like you can't get better return metrics in any other marketing space than that. Yeah.
0: Well. And the lifetime value of a client, which is surprisingly not something that a lot of advisors pay a lot of attention to, we always joke that you 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 really just need to get one client. I mean, to, mm-hmm. now, if you wanted our whole kit and caboodle plan, which is a little bit more expensive, you need two. And that's just to make it so that you don't gripe that your ROI is not great. But you went a little deeper. So thank you for that, because I think that's an appropriate ROI. But you also said something else, and I don't actually know how to set this up very well, but it had something to do, to do with, uh, you refer to it as outsourcing. But I don't remember how you. Do you remember where I'm where I'm going there? Delegating. That. that thank you. Okay. Let's yeah. yeah, bring that up because I so, love
1: that. So we use the 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 phrasing inside of financial advisor world. Like you have clients that like to participate, and you have clients who like to be involved in the decision-making and make recommendations of their own and bounce ideas back and forth and that kind of thing. They're kind of wedged in the middle. So you got your do-it-yourselfers who will never call you ever. You got your people who like to participate. And I think collaborator is actually the technical term that we use for that. And then you have your people who are delegators who are like, I'm happy to have somebody else whose responsibility this is because it wasn't getting done with me we as advisors typically love to hang out in that delegator range we love the clients who turn over their life savings to us say manage this for me call me once a year tell me what i what what i made and what i didn't make and we'll we'll keep going right we love those clients as an advisor myself i am somewhere in the middle of like collaborator delegator okay. in the sense that like i want to give you the direction of what i want it to look like and Keep me posted on what's happening in the background. But once we've settled in on how it's supposed to to look and feel and and operate, you go do it. I'm now giving you full like control to go and do the thing that we agreed you were going to do, which is the reason I'm paying you in the first place. Right. That is what I really love about hiring out. Right. We use the word outsourcing a lot. And I think it gets a little bit misconstrued sometimes because you're not outsourcing in the sense that you're, you're you're outsourcing your financial planning software, right? Like if we use eMoney or Money Guide Pro or Asset Map or something, you're you're outsourcing the financial planning software that you're using. In this case, you're delegating the job of producing and and like running and editing your podcast to a firm that this is what they do. You delegate your compliance work to a, an outside compliance consultant, right? You're delegating this the same way.
0: And you obviously seem to think that that's worth the fee that you're paying. Should we be charging more? I mean, is it valuable enough where where you say to yourself, you know what, working with the team at Proudmouth, not only do I not have to worry about it because this is what we do, right? We We have a very small pocket of existence in our brilliance, right? We basically take a podcast, produce a podcast, syndicate the podcast, and then turn that podcast into lots of pieces of social media. That, that's who we are. That's what we do. Now, Robin, so you've met Robin, Robin honor. Mm-hmm. She wrote in our chat. So we've got, a, have got a, got the chat that's going on through Restream. And then I've got, I've got the chat that's going on in Skype. And I'm going to read this because this is I want him to bring up the part about the cost of staff versus hiring us because you and I talked hmm. about this and I don't think Robin knew that. So that's crazy. You as a wildly resourceful, very, very intelligent person, you could have totally done this in house. Why didn't you do this in house? It's not even
1: so much about what it costs on a monthly basis or an annual basis or or whatever. It's the fact that the team was already assembled yeah. to do it all. There are people out there who you can go record the podcast yourself, use one of the streaming tools that you're talking about, and and they'll record the the audio for you. But then you've also got to find somebody to edit it, right? And then you've also got to either spend the time yourself or find somebody to, to, to syndicate it for you and to publish it. And then you've also got to find somebody to promote it for you, which is a whole other piece that we haven't even talked about. The fact that you can't just throw it out there and assume that people are going to come find you. You have to put it in front of them for them to know they should even go consume it in the first place. All of those things are separate spaces in the, the assembly line. Mm-hmm that somebody's got to do. That's all somebody's job. And it's usually not the same person who has the expertise to do it all. And the consultant who calls you and says, I do it all probably isn't the person you want to hire, especially if the I do it all person costs less than the we all do it collectively. And here's the the finished product person, right? I never even considered the idea of doing it myself to begin with. Like that was never even, I'm one of those people that I know what I'm really good at, and I stick really closely to what I'm good at. And everything else, I don't bother to try and learn how to get better at it. I learn how to get better at the things I'm already good at and just become great at those things. And everything else is somebody else's problem.
0: I remember was I was hanging out with a company that I had worked with before I went out on my own. I remember somebody asking the owner of the company from the audience, they said something like that. Well, but you're really good at this, or I'm sure you could do this. And he said, I don't want to be just good at a lot of things. I want to be great at a couple of things. In fact, uh, I was just reading this um, this great story about LeBron James. When he was in high school, he went and practiced with the Cavs, right? And when he Mm -hmm. was practicing with the Cavaliers, the coach pulled him aside and he's like, look, I I know this was a really tough practice. And they really pushed him, right? Because I mean, high school kid, Mm -hmm. big league, And he said, but if you want to be good, this is what you have to do. And LeBron James turned around to the coach, high school kid. And he said, I'm not here to be good. I'm here to be great. And I want everybody Mm -hmm. to think about that because you can't be great at hundreds of different things. Now, if you look at the life of a basketball player, there are certain things you have to do to be great, right, to Mm -hmm. be successful. And well, I think personally. I'm a huge fan. Sorry. He checks the boxes for me, but you need to know what your freaking boxes are. What are your boxes, man? What do you need to check to be the best of the best you can be for, for me? It's really, really simple. I study podcasting technique, interviewing technique. That's what I do. I do it every day, Mm -hmm. right? You are always going to be sharpening your saw, trying to be the best freaking financial advisor you can possibly be for those people who are going to seek you out and pick up that phone and talk to Malcolm (laughs) as happened in our original phone message Or when we talk, I'm Mm -hmm. sorry, when you scheduled time on my calendar and gave me a a small heart attack, I asked you this question and I'm going to ask it to you again, Mm -hmm. which is what should I have asked you? Probably a ton of different
1: things, but the (laughs) the, 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 the one like that, go ahead. Sorry. Cause you and I, we have to force ourselves to shut up when we get on this conversation, because like, if anybody listening can't tell, it's something we're both extremely passionate about, right? I know my strength is winning friends and influencing people. And then I figured out a way to monetize that skill with some technical expertise underneath it. But the thing that I think gets lost in that is the conversation around what happens after you hire you guys. I know a lot of times advisors talk about, like, I tried that thing and it didn't work. And the reason it didn't work is because those people didn't do X, Y, or Z. And I think one of the things that gets lost in the conversation between probably you and your prospective clients who are those financial advisors is this is not it. Once you decide to create the podcast, create the episodes, record with either your, your producer or with a guest, You still have to do the work of promoting yourself, because if people don't know that you're the best possible financial advisor to work with in Green Bay, Wisconsin, it doesn't matter. They're still going to call Malcolm in D.C., who may be second to you, but at least they know he exists. Right. So that's the part that I think gets lost a lot. And, you know, we never want to tell people like you're the problem. But I feel like in a lot of cases when when people say like, oh, I tried podcasting, I did four episodes and it didn't work. It's because, one, your expectation is people are going to hear your podcast, pick up the phone, say, hey, Matt, you're the greatest. I love you. I want to hire you immediately. Not going to happen on podcast episode number four. Also, the expectation is people are going to just go online say I need a financial advisor who's got a good podcast that's a long google search right and somehow you're going to show up on that list and they're going to listen to episode one through four and say I really like the way that guy describes his large cap growth strategy I'm going to call him doesn't happen that way you have to be the one to make sure that people know you exist because otherwise you don't
0: yeah thank you you triggered something within our team by setting that phone call that has allowed us to feel our level of clarification on really what we need to focus on. So I, I very grateful for that. Number two, my you said early in the podcast that, you know, you want to listen to somebody and then you're like, yeah, I'd have a beer with that person. That's how we vote. My whole team wants mm-hmm. to have a beer with you. So I have this whole st- stream saying I'll buy the beer even. So anyway, I thought that was nice. And then lastly, the best marketing happens when you have passionate about the marketing. I don't care if it's mm-hmm. video seminars, podcasting, blog writing, stand up comedy, I don't care what it is. But once you feel like you're saying what you need to say, you want to say it to everybody. And it doesn't just happen in isolation. It happens when you're in a client meeting. It happens when you're out and about with friends. It happens when you're posting other things on social media. It happens when somebody asks a question on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and you're like you're like, I am the person who needs to answer that. Mm-hmm. I love the fire in the belly. I love when people get truly excited about their marketing. And because you have a niche, you have a super clear message, and you're already So many levels of pre-qualification that when they do pick up the phone and talk to you, it's about the easiest close you're ever going to have. Fair statement?
1: That's fair. That's the part that scares people to death is claiming a niche and putting it out there for the world. But I've heard a bunch of other people say it time and time again, and it has come true for me. The moment you do, it becomes so much easier a year or two from the moment you do that.
0: My favorite thing about financial planners is the one thing that they don't do is they don't plan for their business and that would be marketing. And also, Mm -hmm. you know, even some of the business planning stuff, which was my job before I did all of this. Malcolm dude, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, I appreciate it. I think what we're going to do is we're going to follow up with you, right? So you're six, nine months in, Hopefully the pandemic at that point will have lifted enough where some of the other things that you are good at, which is the shaking hands and kissing babies are starting to be reintegrated back into your practice. And I'd love to talk to you more about how the isolation aspect in your growth and now that you have what you built in isolation and now you're also going out how those things are working together. Is that cool? works for me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Top Advisor Marketing Podcast brought to you by Proudmouth. If you want to learn more about how you can be your own loud, visit our website, read our blog posts, attend our educational webinars, and sign up for our new Influence Accelerator Academy, where you too can learn how to truly be an influencer in your space. Have a wonderful day.